Hey everybody, welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. What's up, cousin? How you doing, cousin? I am telling you, this glam team, mm-mm-mm, girl, they doing they Johnny. I love and- the hair, the makeup. Fabulous. And Janice uh, did my hair and makeup uh, today, and she actually does hair and makeup, which is wild. Uh, Janice and Coco are my DC team. They, they do a fabulous job. Carmen, who's also part of my DC team, and Jen. This four, this group of four women is responsible for my glam. But uh, yeah, Janice came out today and even curled my hair too. So she's capable of doing both. It was pretty cool. Girl, these girls wear capes. They don't put capes on you. They wear capes. because They do. They do. I need them. I need them in my life. I can't and you sh- come down to D.C. just to get my hair and makeup done by your team. Ma'am, and you should have seen how I looked before they started because I was looking <laughs> like quest for fire today. I was so tired and exhausted. I literally went to the door like, hey, y'all. <laughs> I was so looking beat down and now I look beat. <laughs> look, you always look amazing, but you particularly look TV ready at this moment because you need bring it on TV. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So let's hear your wind down. What's going on in the world of a Jackie Reed? Oh my God, girl. You know, so many things. I have to admit, I am not doing well on really just kind of renewing my health and wellness and fitness in that. And this is why I'm going to do this Daniel fast thing that I'll talk about later. But I really like, I just kind of got in this holiday mode um, of, you know, with just being at home, not really working out a lot. And I don't really go crazy with, um, um, you know, I, I don't. I don't even eat fast food, but just with unhealthy food, I can't even. You know, you know, call it comfort food because it's just unhealthy. I really don't go crazy with that stuff, but I have been leaning into some things, just some unhealthy habits, mostly just not working out mm-hmm. over the holiday season. I was going to jumpstart things January first. I was doing this ninety day uh, beach body thing back before the holiday. I fell off on that, so. I'm wiping the slate clean. Monday is the first day of the rest of my life again. Mm -hmm. And I am about to, I'm going to say, I'm about to be in the best health and physical uh, shape of my life. Come give me six months. Amen. You know, because I don't like to rush things. I don't like to crash anything. I want it to become a lifestyle. So that's, you know, girl, I'm sick of me. I'm sick of me. That is my (laughs) life. I'm sick of myself. I, I'm with you. I mean, my, my December was, was very similar, very much leaning into, un, into you know, drinking all the alcohol. I felt like it. I dropped my uh, weekly workouts with Jazz, with Coach Jazz, and was like, let me just take a pause on it because I knew yeah. I was being honest with myself that I was not doing it. It was not following the directions anymore. I was slipping on the eating. And I'm with you. I'm in this renewal month with you. Um, and I, you know, Coach Jazz and I are working back together again twice a week. Part of the reason I feel so beat down is she beat my ass today. I mean, this was like these workouts that I'm doing are they used to be 30 minutes twice a week. Now it's 20 minutes twice a week plus a coaching session. But when I tell you Jazz punished me for cutting them 10 minutes off because it's like yes. the 20 minute workouts are yeah. much harder than the 30 minute. I'm almost ready to go back to the 30. So it should be nicer to me. She <laughs> literally kicks my ass. And now that we have the basement um, more done and the gym is done. Now I'm doing them in the gym and not in my bedroom. So now she has all the access and she can see with the camera, the shit that I got in there. She's like, get on that bike. I'm like, damn. And uh-huh. She's like, get on that thing. Do that. 
Oh, what's that weight thing over there? Pick that Bosu up. So it's like torture. So I'm with you on it, but I don't enjoy it. But, you know, me and my, my, you know, this horrible dry in I'm with you trying to, it's hard because you have to have, give yourself grace and say every day that you start over is the first day of the rest of your life. I like your attitude on that because you can't beat yourself up for it. We need, sometimes we just need to lean into the negative feelings and just put our, go, go through the cycle. And once you come out of that cycle, then you can start over. So I think that's fair. It's so true. So yeah, that's me. What about you? What's your wind down? Okay. So my, my wind down. <laughs> oh, I really need, do need to get a drink. Go ahead. Go ahead. Girl. First of all, remember last podcast, how I was so excited and I was going to have my men a party. Yes, I do. You were celebrating menopause like a crazy person, but go on. I was so thrilled, excited. Well, guess what, cousin oh. Jackie? Aunt Flo? I'm, I'm still in the fucking game. What? I was so... Yesterday, I woke up feeling a little... Just a little bloated and a little sicky oh. and just feeling just a little off. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Lo and behold, this bitch ain't leaving. <laughs> This bitch ain't she like, oh, you think I'm gone? <laughs> Hell no. I'm still with you. You still in the game. I can still create a baby if I need to. Oh. So if anybody God. needs a surrogate, apparently <laughs> it's my life, it's like my life mission to be somebody fucking surrogate. Cause I ain't having no more kids. I'm waiting on a grandkid. I'm like, what is happening? Girl, Why do I still have my period? Speak about no grandkids right now. Shut up. Blast. But I just it's so frustrating. I'm like, I thought this was the, but the then journey. You throw out all of your feminine hygiene. Girl, problems. I had to go raid my daughter's bathroom. I had to go into the the the, the second bathroom where the kids share and go rustle through there trying to find what she had because I don't throw everything away. I was celebrating. I was ready to throw my real ass men a party, maybe do like a Zoom party and have cocktails. Baby, I can't even have my men a party anymore because I no longer have menopause. <laughs> well, no, I, I, in my, in my professional, unprofessional opinion, I think what's happening is you're, you're not done, but you're on your way. You're either premenopausal or is it perimenopausal or you're, you know, after women enter that phase, you still, there, there are moments where you're going to have it. So you can't. This ain't a moment, girl. This is a full on, like, Tornado of period. This is like the worst shit ever. I'm like, this is like full that's on. That's what happens. Cramps that's and bloating. Happens. Yes, it all. That's what happens towards the end. It's the worst of the worst. It's it's like the end of days because it's it the, the end of the period days. It is, and of course, yesterday I had to do a stand up because we, you know, and NBC didn't go really big, big, big on January 6th, but we did on my show because this has been like a really central theme of what we do on the readout is this threat to democracy. It is our theme for 2022 is these threats right. to democracy because we basically have one year to save our democracy. Let's just keep it real. I mean, if these People next elections, forget. they want to forget, they want to let it go. So we were going to go really big. So I was going to do a stand up. So I, I reached out to Danielle, my new amazing stylist. And I was like, I need a great outfit that I can wear to stand up. And then once I realized that I have this still, I'm now going to have to peel out the heavy shapewear because I got to stand on camera. Normally I can sit and cover my belly. Baby, I had to find, I had to change my whole outfit plan. I had to get help with the outfit plan. I had to pull the shapewear out. I'm so angry. That is my wind down. I am an angry, angry, angry old bitch right now. <laughs> still in the a game. bitch is old, but a bitch is still in the game. You can still have a baby. You can still have a baby. Yay. <laughs> still, still fertile myrtle. <laughs> fertile myrtle. Oh, fertile myrtle. 
still here. <laughs> Art tells a story, your story, and inspires others in your community to do the same. This Black History Month, AARP is celebrating the undeniable impact and contributions of black art and artists everywhere. We're thrilled to celebrate these creators over 50. Through their work and persistence, they make society a better place by bringing us all closer together. Learn more at aarp.org slash black community. All right, so let's get into some hot topics. Let's start off talking about the holiday season and how COVID for many people just ruined it. I mean, flights were canceled on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It was great. Protocols are, are being stepped up all over the place. People are having to wear their mask again, all because of Omicron, which people still want to call Omarion. Poor <laughs> Omarion. Well, I know for you, you posted, uh, I saw like the day after Christmas. Tell us what you posted, because I can't remember, but it was kind of like this, my Christmas was ruined because you weren't, were not able to be together with your kids. So yep. I think what happened with your family was an example of was what was happening with so many people. Christmas just was not Christmas. Christmas wasn't Christmasing. And so the, the, it was basically all of these posts of people saying Christmas was not Chris, Christmasing. You know, the, you know, the, it just was nothing about Christmas was Christmassy this year. I still have my Christmas tree up because, yes, our kids were all quarantined in New York. Uh, Jason and I were here in Maryland. So for the first time in 26 years, we didn't have our kids here. So I posted this thing and it's, it's all these hilarious um, memes where they're like, I tried to wish it away. You know, they tried to use, I tried to wish it away. And it's like, they were trying to like, just talk about how dire Christmas was because COVID messed up everything. I definitely, I'm trying to keep count of it. I think I now know 14 people with COVID and I haven't known this many people with COVID since the pandemic started. Every day, I feel like I find that another family member or friend has COVID and or is quarantined because they were, you know, exposed to somebody with COVID. So all three of our kids are quarantined in New York. It's really wild. I, I don't know how this Christmas wound up worse than the, than the 2020 Christmas when we have a vaccine. And so this is our first podcast since the holidays. And I don't know how yours was, but our Christmas and New Year's was literally a sit down and watch Netflix. Like it's not even a holiday. It, it, Christmas really it. was just, and it's because of the anti-vaxxers. It's not just the anti-vaxxers. Yes, you it is. No, it is because of the freaking CDC and Them Joe too. Biden's administration and everybody who keeps making it seem like, and they've been doing this for months, that if you have been fully vaccinated, you're good. Go out, hang with people, gather with people, making people think that they can't get the virus or spread the virus if they've been fully vaccinated. Listen, yes, I am fully vaccinated. It is great and smart, in my opinion, to be fully vaccinated because that means if I do get COVID, I won't end up in the hospital and I won't right. die. So there's that. What it does not mean is that I am you know, you know, barred from catching the disease or, or right. spreading it. And that right. is what this government will not say. Even Dr. Fauci, uh, he was on a program the, on Christmas Eve was saying, if you've been fully vaccinated, you're going to gather in small groups. Yeah. That's not true. It is not true. And I'm I sick of it. That is what has ruined it. Yes, I will give you 
People who are not vaccinated are part of the problem. But a bigger part of the problem, in my opinion, is the misinformation of people who are so focused on people getting vaccinated that they're not telling the whole truth. And it is like, listen, you need to tell people if you're going to gather in small groups, if you're going to take your mask off around people who you don't know where they've been, even if it's a family member, you need to do tests. Do test before. That's what they need to be promoting. Testing. Well, well they and well, not only promoting testing. And I agree with you on that. I think the CDC has been an absolute disaster. Sure. And I, there are a lot of right wingers like to circulate a tweet that I did back when Trump was president, saying, "Who's going to ever trust the CDC?" It turns out my tweet was exactly accurate because nobody trusts them. Yes. They keep changing their guidance. It's like. I understand that science is a thing that doesn't work like regular news, right? You, you, you know, as things change, things change in science. There's never a conclusion. It just keeps morphing. Don't tell us every single ingredient in the freaking sausage. Just tell us when the sausage is done because they've been telling us every twist and turn that the scientists, the scientists found out maybe it should be five days. Oh, then this business said it should be four days. Then, then all of a sudden we think it should be 10 days. Then you can take your mask off, put your mask on, put your mask off, put your mask on. You can go ahead and gather. No, don't gather. They're so all over the damn place that it's true. Even with me, with these anti-vaxxers who drive me up the damn wall, it's getting harder and harder to convince people that they should get vaccinated when the CDC keeps changing the story. And to your point, when people who are vaccinated, including people I know who are vaccinated, are exhausted by having to do anything because we've been coddling the American people the whole time, making you think if you just take this shot, you can do anything you want. Right. You can go where you want. You can whip off your mask. You can gather with who you want because they're trying to incentivize vaccination. But all they've done, to your point, Cousin Jackie, is make vaccinated people feel invincible and invulnerable. And then they're actually going out and still catching COVID. And the reason COVID. that they put the here, but again, I will say again, the reason there is an Omicron, the reason Omicron exists is because it's playing around inside the bodies of these unvaccinated people. They are an open Petri dish for making variants. And they are the ones who are clogging up hospitals. So if you break your leg or have a heart attack or have a stroke, or get unvaccinated are all up in the ER. They got all the beds. They got all the ventilators. God forbid you need a ventilator. You can't get it. There are hospitals that are shutting down their maternity wards. You can't go have a baby in your local hospital because they're in there taking up all the beds because they refuse to take any action. So it's but, like if you take action and do the right thing, you're fucked because you still can get it. If right. you do nothing and do all the wrong things, you're probably going to die. <laughs> or yeah, at least then, you're open to then, die. But then on top of that, you know, it's like the reason why so many flights were canceled and why, you know, we went, my mother and I, um, flights are canceled is because, pe you know, people who work in the airline industry who are fully vaccinated, they may not be going to the hospital, but they're homesick. Because right. you know, all of my friends and like you, I know so many people who have so it. Many. You're, you're down for the count. You yes. may not be in a hospital, but you feel like you had the flu. You feel yes. you're you're in the bed and you have to quarantine, right? Yes. So people who are fully vaccinated are taken out of the game because in their minds, they were at that holiday party. That's right. That's they went right. to do this because they're fully vaccinated and I can be around other people. But hey, guess what? And the other people, they may have it, even though they're fully vaccinated, maybe yep. asymptomatic, they can spread it to you. Or guess what? Those people in your face may not be vaccinated at all. At all. Exactly. It's true. So you don't know as somebody and, who's yes. fully vaccinated I agree. what you're up against. It is, and, I, and that is a problem. And yeah. to me, 
everybody who is out there just saying, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, and not saying, wear your mask, wear your mask, wear your mask, or carry test around before you gather test. Before you do, listen, I, how was my Christmas and New Year's? The same way my Easter was and everything. <laughs> because I've been, I've been riding this train all along. You know me. I, yeah. am most, I didn't come to your birthday party because I'm, right. I'm not gathering people that don't have no right. mask if they're not getting tested. It's true. I'm not doing it because you just don't You just don't know. know. And, and I was like, here comes Debbie Downer. Here comes Jackie, a.k.a. Debbie Downer. But I'm don't like, matter. I don't care. Don't I'm matter. I'm not getting it. But not everybody's going to be that way. And the last thing I'll say, because I know we, we got some very important uh, yes, celebrity passings to talk about, is I will also agree with you on one other thing. How in the hell did the richest nation on earth not buy as many tests as we have Girl. people and send free tests to every single family in this country from day one and constantly supply free tests? Because look at what Walmart and Kroger and these other companies, they're jacking up the price of tests. And if you don't have money, if you're not able to order from Amazon and get your test, they're not even available anymore in CVS. They're selling out so fast. We should be providing free testing to everyone. And everyone should be testing every week if they have to, to make sure they don't have COVID. You're absolutely right on that too. So I do blame the CDC for a lot of it. I think the, the, the federal government has done not as much as they could have, but they are doing the one thing that they should be doing, which is say get vaccinated, unlike the governor of Florida, who's like, vaccination? Who needs that? Uh, honey, Live your life yellow. Don't get me started. But Biden, that administration, they need to step up telling people to get tested yeah. and wearing their mask more and it's not yeah. saying it's okay to gather. I mean, they got to stop. Okay, we got to talk about Sydney Poitier uh, moments yes. before we sat down in the studio. Um, to talk about this, uh, to, to just get and do the show. Um, we heard the tragic news that he had died and it is just such a sad day. What a King of Kings yes. when it comes to the entertainment industry, what he was on the screen and off screen, you know, yep. and the work that he did, um, just in the, in the community and what he stood for and just all the comments from Oprah Winfrey, Denzel, like this is somebody who Denzel Washington had on the highest pedestal. When you're yeah. a Denzel Washington, right? Who, yeah. did, who everybody in the acting world and beyond admires. Who did he look up to? Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. Absolutely. So I mean, and the thing is, he was a, a, a black Hollywood leading man when that was not a thing, right? I mean, he was the first. He was the first. He was the first. He and Harry Belafonte. And people tried to sort of set them up as competitors, but they really weren't. They were allies and friends. They were together at fellow the March on Washington. Fellow activists, fellow civil rights activists. Remember, it was these Hollywood actors like Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte who were giving money uh, to, under, you know, to, to, to underwrite the civil rights movement. They were the ones providing the money to bail folks out of jail and make sure that there were buses that could take people on the freedom rides. Like they were very important in the movement. And Sydney also represented for black manhood, this idea that we need to be treated as full human beings. You, you know, it used to be that you couldn't have a black leading man. It was not allowed, you know, it, but now you suddenly, even the Paul Robeson character, who was probably the closest thing you had to that before that was always sort of like, you know, sort of minding, you know, this young, you know, white kid or something, you know, but, but he was able to be, a full leading man when that was not allowed as a dark skinned, you know, Bahamian American actor who had all this incredible dignity and that voice. And he was not only the first black man to win an Oscar for Lilies in the Field, um, but he also starred in an interracial romance film, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, that broke barriers. People in the South, some of these theaters in the South wouldn't even show it 
They wouldn't even allow it in the theaters because of they, they, it, they, it was it was breaking segregation in the highest way, right? Of having well, a black that, man and a white woman have a romance. I mean, I, I mean, and that movie, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Lilies of the field. Um, what was the other one that he was in? A piece of the not a piece of the action. That's the in the, uh, in, in the, the heat, heat of the, of the night. night. Those were some of the highest grossing films of their time with a black yes. man as the lead. And it was interesting because he talked. He went on years later to talk about the fact that the kind of leading man that he played or the kind of black character that he played, especially in the 60s, uh, at a time when black people wanted to, you know, fight back and fight the power and just, you know, and really kind of... Um, give what they were getting as far as violence. And, and, and Sidney Poitier said that he played this quiet, calm, um, you know, figure, black figure when it came to how he dealt with racism. And mm-hmm. he took a lot of heat from that, um, yes. from, black, from the black community. They mm-hmm. even wanted to, some people coined him as Uncle Tom at that time, but he said it was important for him to take, the, take on these kind of roles and show that kind of black man. He was definitely... Um, very particular about the roles that he chose. Yes. Because a lot of them, you know, Lily's in the field, in the heat of the night, um, guess who's coming to dinner, and and so many others, you know, dealt with racism. You know, and it, it talked about it to serve with love. It, it talked about race in a big way or a little way in those movies. And he felt like it was important. He said, yeah, I could, sh- I could play roles that showed more diversity in who I am as an actor. And he went on yes. to do that. But he felt like he needed to show this type of black American, this type of black person, this type of black man, it was so important that he leaned into those roles. Yes. Um, and they, I mean, he was one of the highest paid actors out mm-hmm. there, Paul Newman um, and some others. He was making not as much as them, mm-hmm. but he was up there as far as salary too. That's right. He, and it's really a game changer he in was. The industry. He broke the mold and it was like, it was a long time before anyone would come behind him yes. and, and do anything close to what he was doing. What he did. And, and, and not only that, but he also was a director. He directed himself in some of those movies. There was a, you know, let's play it. Let's, what is it? Let's play it again with Bill Cosby. Bro, let's you know, do it again. Let's, let's do, do it again. again. He directed Saturday that. Night and, and, yeah, downtown, uh, Uptown Saturday Night. Action Girl, that trio yes. of movies. And he directed Girl. those. And those were some of the highest grossing films at the time, directed by a black man, starring black cat, uh, with a black cast. So he was a game changer. And you in may everywhere. not love Bill Cosby for, you know, everything that's gone down with him, but we're not going to get, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting rid of those movies. There were great not movies. movies Sidney no. Poitier was great in those movies. Yes, yes. We're not canceling that because Bill Cosby, Cosby was in it. In them. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you because those movies are classics and we will, we will keep them on the shelves. Uh, we have another death we have to talk about as well um, that also was heartbreaking for a lot of people. So Sidney Poitier died at 94, a wonderful long life, a fabulous long life. Another person who had an amazing long life too, but passed still too soon. You know, you know you've lived a great life when you live into your 90s and people still believe that's too soon to lose yeah. you, you know? So yeah. Betty White died at 99, the she golden been, girl, the last of the golden girl. The last of the golden girl. She would have been 100 on Dr. King's uh, holiday on the 17th of January would have been her 100th birthday. Uh, Betty was awesome too. We were talking about civil rights. I mean, this was a woman who in the 1950s, when she had her own TV show, because people don't realize she was a song and dance lady. So she did song, she had a song and dance like television show. Yeah, and she, she yep. And she basically lost her show because she insisted on having a black musician on the show with her. She was told, don't do that because it'll make it so you can't show the show in the South. No, um, and she's, a dancer. 
It was a dancer. Sorry, he was a dancer. And she said, live with it. I'm having him on. And then she gave him even more airtime just to basically stick a middle finger up at the people telling her no. And ultimately, they ended up canceling the show, but she remained a legend throughout her career, even before the Golden Girls. Absolutely. She was a great one. Arthur Duncan and they yes. united them recently on when Steve Harvey still had a talk show, they re- reunited the two of them. And he went on to, even though they canceled that show and they canceled it because it started as a show just in LA, right? Yeah. A show that existed before her. And once she joined it, they changed the name to the Betty White show. Right. And then it does, did so well with her. It went national and it was the Southern state mm-hmm. right the southern region region of the country that was like we got air in the show with that black man get rid of that black man and she was like it was fine in la yeah the advertisers were like hey we need to get rid of him and she was like no nope. and i thought that was amazing of her but he credits her for really starting his career he went on to perform on other shows and then he was on the lawrence welk show for like decades, he was on Lawrence Welk uh, and was one of, you know, with Lawrence Welk for folks who, who saw it, there was this, you know, this team of people who danced and sang in the background. Right. And he was a part of that because Betty White, he said, gave him his start. So yeah, yeah. Google Lawrence Welk if you're the youngins out there. Like, who the hell is that? <laughs> the <babies are> like, <laughs> They're like, who are all these people? But, it, but it's funny because even though people may not know Lawrence Welk who are young, people all know Betty White. Like she became a cultural icon. Her Super Bowl uh, ad where she gets tackled and then it's Abe Vigoda, who's even older. But I've I mean, got a question for you. Yes. Tell me why it is that the Golden Girls TV show is so iconic and so revered in the black community. Yeah. When there were no black people on that show. But black people will tell you in a minute, I never watched Friends because they didn't have no black people. That's I didn't right. watch this show, but black people love the Golden Globes. They love the, everybody. Love the Golden I, Girls. We watched it. My mom watched it. Our everybody, it. even young we people all, watch it. Because you know why? Because I think those were the blackest white ladies <laughs> that you ever saw. Their attitude, they would have fit right in at the cousin yeah. party. They were so each and each of those characters, there was a, uh, a they were sort of an iconic uh, type that we all could recognize. They were so accessible, even though they were all white women. We knew the one that was a kind of a hoe, right? We knew the one that was always kind of salty. Um, we knew the one that was kind of the dits, right? You know, it's like they were a type. And you're right, Friends had that same type. But something about Friends, to me, I never watched it because even the commercials to me look phony. It's like I would never know those people and I would never like those people. But them old ladies... I would have known all of them and they would have been invited to the house and I would have had them over and made them mashed potatoes and, and you know, they were fabulous. So Girl, they, I think they were just accessible. Yeah, I think so. And I think the sass that you mentioned, you know, that's my sister about this because she's a big, I've been asking all kinds of people since uh, Betty White's death. What is it about that? Because I noticed that so many uh, black people love her and they love that show. And it was like, yes. why when there were no black people on it? Well, and it's the other the thing sassy, too. It's the zingers I, and the sass. Yes. And that song. <laughs> and the song. And oh, you know the best version of that song, of course. Is that remix. Is that remix. Girl, I've been singing it all week. My sister is like, I'm not, because she's been watching the Golden Girl. She's like, thank you for being a, fr- a friend. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> down the road and back up. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is the only legitimate Girl, version of that, that song. Is, that should be the new, they should play that. Now As the open. The rerun. Oh, 100%. And I, I mean, I, I definitely feel like those, those, and they did a very, every so often, 
And I have to say this too, because my family, we watched All in the Family, which didn't have anybody black in the cast, but they would have black walk-on characters. Like there's an episode of Golden Girls where one of the, where, um, uh, what's her name's daughter? Um, 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 where B. Arthur's daughter, uh, B. Arthur's son is marrying a black woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and then she comes over, the mom comes over and then the, she confronts the all the girls and two of them, uh, including Betty White's character, are wearing mud masks. And they're like, oh, hold on. We're not, you know, don't <laughs> misconstrue us. But the thing about this, these shows in the 70s and 80s that I think were actually better, especially in the 70s, they were so much more forward leaning on race. All in the family was the Jeffersons was the but Golden they were controversial Girls. controversial for doing that. But I thought it was good. And I think as black people, we could watch white people grapple with race in a way in those shows of that era, those sitcoms that they are almost they are terrified to do now. Like, I feel like there was much more of a lean in for white people to confront these racial issues because, of course, they were closer to the 60s. So it was so much closer in the rearview mirror. But they were open about it. And I feel like these sitcoms did a really good job back then well, of showing Norman you how Lear. white people deal with it. That's yeah. all Norman Lear, you know, with the Golden Girls. It was Norman Lear. It was a it was a jump way beyond that, yes. but it's still something that resonated in just such a unique way with the black community. Like we yeah. love this show. I, I mean, so many people in the black community who I saw post things about, Oh, I don't want nothing. Love to Betty. Friends reunion. That, that, that girl, they are in tears over Betty. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the other reason we didn't care about friends is because it was really just like a, a bad version of living single. <laughs> well, there's that. I mean, there it was just a, a copy thing. And we didn't need to watch it because we already had living single and well, living single rumors, was the same show. There were rumors that it was, it, it was copied. I believe that. I yeah. to, this, to this day, I've never seen. So they Friends. took and made a white version of it. Yes, it of living single, and that's what Friends became. And I think that's true because again, I say this having never seen Friends, but when I hear the description of these characters and who they are, it is a literal description of the characters in Living Single, person for person. They have all the same characters. They're Even just with white. the relationship between yes! one of the male and females that happened in Living Single. It's too coincidental that y'all made the same show, but it's, you know, whatever we, you know, black people watch living single and white people watch friends, but everybody watched the golden girls. And it was just something that you could all come together on because who could not laugh at that? They were so funny. And Norman Lear, I do believe is the most important series creator of that era because going all the way from all in the family. Girl, he was way girls. before the golden girls. You keep putting him in the same era. No, but no, Norman Lear. Wasn't he all of those? Was he? Oh no. Norman Lear was, he was next. Right. He no, was before did? then he was back in the seventies with all in the family. Yes. And all those things, uh, the golden girls were in the nineties. Later. Yeah. Was, was, in the, was that in the nineties? I feel like that was in the eighties. Nineties. Really? Maybe I, I was, maybe I, I remember the Golden Girls being in the 80s. Girl, Golden Girls was not on when you were a kid. Yes, original release, girl. Yes, it was. Original release was 1985 through 1992. It was oh, on NBC okay. because my mother watched the Golden Girls. So I'm like, my mother was 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 alive only was until eighty six. I felt like it was in the nineties. I didn't watch it when it was, um, but 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 Norman Lear was not a part of that. He he was a part of the seventies, the seventies ones. Okay, with Maude okay. and All in the Family. With Maude, That's well, and Maude is in it, right? It's the, the author, right? The this author. was her role yes. at the years later, but it's two separate eras of two eras. Yeah. Well, I still say the 70s was the greatest. The 70s were the greatest sitcom era. I still stand on that. 
But yes, this was one of the greatest shows ever. But yeah, my mother watched this was a show that as kids we watched. And I don't my know why I it. felt like it was 90s. So I guess early 90s, late 80s or early, early 90s. Yes, it was from yeah. 85 to 92. But it was a fabulous show. And they're supposed to be in Miami, which having now lived in, in South Florida. It's like it's so everything about it is just perfect. It's a perfect show. <laughs> I, and also I it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no I was going to say that LGBT friends all say that it, it is also iconic in the LGBTQ community that for whatever reason, it's like an iconic show to like young gay people too, but for but, whatever reason. And we'll Betty White, now. a huge advocate for the LGBT community. She was, uh, you know, a big, strong, strong supporter of gay marriage and so many things years ago. Years before. Years ago. But you know, I have never watched the Golden Girls regular. Like I'm going to go back and watch. This. I've seen episodes. Yeah, I was never a regular watcher of it, but I said I'm going to go back and watch it from the beginning. Girl, watch Uh, it's one of the funniest. Just because I want to see why black people love it so much. It's so sassy, baby. When I tell you, it was one of the shows we never missed at my house. Never missed it, and I kept watching it all the way through college. Like it was one of those shows that even like I was young and they were they were old. Some of them weren't as old as you thought. You know, they just white white. Young people love this show. Young people love. I watched it when I was. I just something about it was so funny these four women their chemistry was so perfect so i can't tell you why i just know i love it and i love <laughs> betty white loved her love love i wish i had met her all right well we have a great guest coming up so you all keep it right here so today joining us we have an amazing well-driven anti-violence activist my sister and friend is a CEO and founder of Life Camp and just recently celebrated their 20-year anniversary. What? That's crazy. She is known for her reduction of community and youth violence oh, for more than 30 years. I introduced to you the one and only Miss Erica Ford. What's up, Erica? Peace. How you doing? And actually, we're entering. This is our 20th year 2022. right now. 2022. Oh. So all 2022. We've taken a whole year. We're celebrating our 20. How are y'all yes. celebrating him? Because I know this is such a so, so, part of so your the first, life. The first thing we're going to do is raise $20 million. Okay. Right? We, go, we have in retro, we do a retro. So anybody who has our retro gear, because you know we big on the gear, we celebrating the people's lives and we're telling the stories of the young people's lives who we've changed in the last 20 years. And we're doing, we're working on a documentary. We're working on a lot of other projects to help lift and duplicate. I actually just finished talking to Shine um, in Belize about duplication. We're, we're doing a demonstration project. We're working with the White House. We got a, that's we did a lot of that work in in with the White House around the Build Back Better Act and the five billion dollars around uh, community violence intervention. And so we're doing a lot of the shaking of the different states around the American relief funds uh, to make sure that the work grows, right? So now it's, you did this, you created a model. Now, how do we duplicate it around the nation? How do we create other Erica Fords, right? And... uh, Well, let let me ask you a question because you and I met um, at a dinner where the Parkland survivors, these little teenagers came up um, and we were all going around the table and I just remember when it, when it was your turn, you, you literally silenced the room. You made your comments and everybody just went, hold on. Because I mean, I think you made an incredible point that some of the young people actually had made as well. And I, I commend them for, cause they were mostly, let's be honest, white kids, you know, young white teenagers. Yes. Um, but you made the point that the violence that we're seeing 
you know, that is visited against black young people throughout this country um, happens without comment. And so we had this whole conversation about how those young people who could take were taking could take their that notoriety that they got in the worst way possible to try to share that notoriety with young people of color to make sure that they weren't left out of the conversation. Do, do you think that anything has changed as a result of these mass shootings like Parkland that are, they get so high profile for a hot minute, but then everything just kind of seems to me like it just kind of goes back to the way it was. I think that one thing that we were ever, and I, I met Julianne Moore that day as well. Yes, that's right. And um, she's become a strong advocate for our work and supporter of us um, since then. And um, I think that what has been able to happen is more attention has been put on the work of black and brown groups across the nation. Because one of the things that the Parkland group did, David Hogg, in particular, is make sure that whenever he spoke, he spoke about the people that came before him, Mm -hmm. right? And so even in the White House, when that word came, they had to see, we've been paying attention to this for so long and putting it as the thing, we need to switch. And so that's why now the conversation is community violence intervention. It's around the, the, the hundreds of thousands of people who've been impacted by vicarious trauma, right? Because for us, in our community, trauma is in the beginning, the middle, and the end of violence. And so it's a, it's a disease. Just like we have the Omari Khan and all of the other names, violence is a disease. And the prerequisite for us is poverty, right? And so we begin to look at the Build Back Better Act and that investment in changing the trajectory of how we deal with violence. So it has risen the conversation. You know, Erica, you have been doing this work for a long time since I first met you years ago, riding around in your van around the streets of New York City, hanging out. You know, I mean, we've known each other for a long time and you have been very committed um, to this work. And I just want you to speak on, because I see you everywhere. Oprah loves you, the White House, you're working with the White House now with the Biden administration. You were on Red Table Talk talking about this yet. You know, I'm in Georgia right now and the governor here is trying to do away with permits for guns. It just like it just seems so discouraging when it comes to managing this gun violence or getting a handle on it across the country, whether it be in, you know, in the inner city or in in suburban schools or, or it just feels out of control. Like what makes you feel hopeful that we can get a handle on this. I mean, what is it going to take? Because I mean, for a lot of us, like I've never owned a gun, but I feel like maybe I need to get one. You know what I mean? Just to be prepared. And I think a lot of people feel that way. It just feels out of control. Yes. I I think that what is a difference now is people are listening to us, right? The, the credibility, because the conversation that I had that day is that, am I invisible? Right. Because I remember that. My, I've been doing this work for, and it's acting like it just started. Like, and so now what is happening is that they're listening to us, right? They're looking to us for our expertise and, and we have to keep elevating that. And I think that we were able to get the White House to do executive orders, right? We're getting states to release funds to the ground. We're organizing people on the ground. So that is the dip because the surge is because of COVID, right? It is because of COVID. And so it's, it's, 
We helped make New York City the safest big city. The areas in which we work are still at low numbers, right? And so investing in what works will allow everything else to, to work. And, and, and in Georgia in particular, right, there's a young lady, Jack Quell, who is now the head of the Office to Prevent Gun Violence, who came from New York, right? So the expertise that we had over here is now in Georgia, and it will be able to expand the work in Georgia if they listen correctly. You know, and the White House is doing um, a, a sample in 16 cities, right? And we're working with them and the folks on the ground. So that is the difference, right? We're able to, to, to be an active participant in our own resolution. We just need more people to, you know, just understand it. They're understanding the disease. They're understanding that it takes community to resolve. And those closest to the problem have to be the ones who are invested in and supported. And so can I, I ask, let me ask you, I mean, there's a, there's a, the Supreme Court is active right now. They're right now dealing with probably overturning the mandates for vaccines or testing that the um, Biden administration tried to put in place. So they're going to mess that up. But there, another case that is on their docket would basically open up reciprocity and open carry all over the country. It would mean you could take an AR-15 into Times Square. And my assumption with this particular 6-3 court is that they're going to do all the bad things. So if they rule, as I expect them to, that open carry has to be allowed in all you know, 50 states and all the territories, what do you think is going to happen to this fight against gun violence? So um, I could be the angel advocate, right? And I could say in some sense, right, if you, everybody's carrying now, they just, it's yeah. not, it's not shown, right? Yeah. So, but if I know everybody's carrying, I move different, right? And so, and in one sense, you have to make them, you have to shift mindset, right? Because just like Corona, right? It's a disease. Everybody, you can get it, it's there, but now we're saying, Wear your mask. Keep six feet. So we have to change the relationship to people dealing with their trauma because the possession of the gun doesn't equally equivalent to you using the gun to kill somebody, right? What we have to make sure is that you're not using that gun to kill somebody, to respond to the trauma that you're having and the inability you're having to deal with what's going on in your life, right? The conflict that we have with each other. That gun can't be the resolution. Right. And so that, that knife can't be the resolution. Stomping somebody out can't be the resolution. Domestic violence can't be the resolution. Suicide can't be the resolution, right? We have to help people heal, right? And, and that's what we have to do. We have to, we, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a comprehensive approach, right? There's no cookie cutter answer, but we have to, we have to, we have to change mindset because when you look at what happened last year, January 6th, that's a mob of people clear on a mindset, right? So where's the other set of mind people that are, are clear on a mindset that we want love over hate, right? That we want to shift the, the, the heart chakra and, and help you understand. And I know some people are like, what the hell is she talking about, right? But I'm not causing pain unless I'm in pain, right? 
Because people who are full of love ain't walking around like, yo, what you talking about? Like, you know, yeah. or want to bring harm to themselves, right? We see a lot of people in law enforcement bringing harm to themselves. So we have to deal with, as our new mayor is talking about emotional intelligence, right? And so now we have Eric as a mayor, who on one hand, he's putting more guns in the street, right? By putting more police. But on the other hand, he's dealing with emotional intelligence, right? So he's saying, yeah, you're going to have the gun, but you ain't going to use it to disrespect and, and brutalize black and brown people, right? Well, how, how do you enforce that, though? Because, I mean, and I get, I get the, you know, Mayor Adams is the police. You know, he was an officer. So he's a different mindset toward it. But, you know, I lived in New York <laughs> when the plainclothes um, cops were out there. And as a, as a young person, as a teenager, and I was scared. Like, there was, it, there was a time in New York where it was, it was frightening to be out there because between the Howard Beach type people, you know, the people in Canarsie and the white side of Canarsie would hit you with baseball bats if black people walked over there. Even Crown Heights was like that. They would chase you. I mean, there was a time when being black in New York was actually dangerous because, you know, different white communities didn't want us going in their neighborhood and they would literally physically brutalize you or kill you. And then you had the police, like especially during Giuliani's t- uh, time, s- like stalking us in plain clothes. You didn't even know who was the police. How, how do you enforce that you have that mindset that you're talking about if you are putting more uh, guns on the street via the cops. Right. And, and so I think that, and I'm not, I think we've done that, right? We've done it by changing mindsets. So now the people in power, when you look at the city council, the people in power are those people from the time span and you're talking about who were on the front lines, right? And so they grew up and they ran for office, right? Or they trained other people to run for office. We have to, there's no quick fix, right? In that time, I was one of those angry peacemakers, black power fighting in the street. But now I I helped build a system in New York City that has 41 sites, over 60 organizations that are getting paid to make peace a lifestyle, right? To interrupt violence in 41 different areas in New York City. So how you do that? You put 41 more so that we could be 81 sites, right? And so as we, so in our neighborhood, the plainclothes cops, we're, we, we're there, right? And so they're not jumping out on somebody. And then there's a, 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 a Eric and the, the, the entity that we're working with, we formed a relationship with them. So when we call, right, we're standing right there. When we call, they're going to address that issue, right, of that plainclothes cop doing something. And it's a systematic thing. We have to change the system. We have to change the system, right, on both sides. It's an inside-outside game. It's not just get rid of the police, right? Because when we get rid of the police, we got some people, you, you're talking about people carrying guns, right? So how do we deal? It's the same way. We, we still have to change mindset. We have to take control of our own communities and really make peace real. And that's what we're doing. I was going to go back to, because you've been actually on the ground doing this work, working particularly with young people in the, in your community and communities around New York city, you know, when you look and say, wow, I've been doing this for 20 years where, because I I've I've gone, you know, I've seen these kids, I've seen your work in action. um, And I wonder where these kids are now, where, what are the, you know, what's the legacy of the work that you've been doing you know, what are they out there doing on the ground now? Those kids, are you able to shift mindsets? Because you've had some, 
you know, angry kids, kids dealing with trauma within their own homes. Is it, do you feel that you're making a difference right there with those kids? So let me give you one example. We have some young men who their fathers were drug dealers and and big time drug dealers. And they were in in a housing development where there was a number one drug distribution center. They have become urban yogis. They have they're now professional yoga teachers working with Deepak Chopra, going around the world, teaching people how to do yoga. They also have taken that information that they've got. And they used to hang out in the chicken joint. As most people do, they stand in front of the chicken joint on the corner, right? They opened up a juice bar, right? So they have their own business now. And they're teaching young people how to, in the community, how to eat healthy, how to own your own business, right? And so they've broken the cycle of what is cool in that community. What is attractive in that community? They've been able to break that cycle. And so when you see things like that happen, it's a, it's a question of empowerment. It's a question of change, you know, the, the change in the mindset. And we have a 35-foot RV, right? We have a Peace Mobile yes. that has a, a recording studio in it where some of the young people teach pain on beats. We have a punching bag. So we give them the tools that they need to help change mindset, right? We're there in the beginning, the middle, and the end to help families and individuals on both sides of the gun transform their lives. So so yes, a lot of those young people are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are, te- are teachers and, and going to be taking over the organization because I plan to pass over the baton of running the day-to-day operation to some of them and, and just go on to do a national changing of mindset type of thing because how do we begin to grow on that scale, right? Well, yeah. well if you put out a t-shirt or a sweatshirt that says make peace a lifestyle, I will buy one because I love that. I love that as a slogan, make peace a lifestyle. I love that. I need that on a shirt. But I, I would be remiss as a journalist, you know, and I consider myself a very serious journalist, <laughs> if I did not point out that over your shoulder is an entire Pac-Man game. <laughs> now that used to be my game. You know, Ms. Pac-Man used to be my thing. And down in my basement right now, what I got my husband for Father's Day was a big old game like that. It's got like 60 games and all the old school games. I got. I am with the new school, just like I don't do new Star Trek. Give me yeah. old 60s Star Trek that's janky with the little flip things. Give me old school video games. That's the only kind of video games I like. What is your high score and what is your game? <laughs> I don't even know what my high score is. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't. But do people kidding. come by your place and, and like try to beat, try to beat your scores? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we play virtually. They'll be on theirs and I'll be on mine. And then we'll play virtually as well. Um, I love that. I don't remember my high score. <laughs> sure it's pretty high. Listen, I got to ask you about this afro. This hair. Oh, girl, on, everywhere yes. you go. And it has been as beautiful as it is now <laughs> since I have known her. Girl, who? how are you? Girl, what products are you using? Please what, tell me. Your hair, please tell, because your hair is gorgeous. It is. I, I go to this place called Natural Beauty up in Yonkers, and um, they make products, and, and I use their products. Um, and, and unfortunately, I don't know the name of them. Either. You braid your hair at night, every night? Are you doing a bonnet? Like, I need routine. Which you don't tell me, you just, because I know you wake up like this head and getting up just like that. I can't stand I Wake it. up like this. I listen, can't you. Listen, like we this. can't know. We, we try to be friends. Look at that. See, we thought we, we thought you loved us. You're going to tell us you wake up. Now we're sad. I now we it. just feel, we just feel, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, we, we inadequate <laughs> hair wise. <laughs> 
my hair and my hair is a thing like it's a thing it is is. definitely one of the things that have transformed in the 20 years is my hair it's a whole thing by itself it's a theme and and i do wait so i'm getting ready to do a contest for the 20 years i'm going to i can't tell what i'm gonna do but you'll see Um, i tell you what you need to do you know i got a million ideas you need to get a wig that's like yours and get a Hmm. whole bunch of celebrities to put that wig on to wear get something that that is like you and just get a bunch of people to take pictures of it because that is like your calling card. It's your calling card. <laughs> Done. Yeah, I like Start without starting. <laughs> yes. Well, I think, and, and my other idea is that I think, so I, there's these, there's this company and I have to find, it's called Natural Girls, I think it's called, that makes these amazing Barbie dolls. But they're black Barbie dolls ah. with all kinds of amazing black girl hairstyles. And this was the gift that I, I mean, I've given it to my nieces because you could actually customize a doll that looks like you. So my nieces are, you know, their, their, their mother's white, but their, my brother is their, their dad. So they're partly black. And I wanted them to really embrace their blackness. And I wanted them to embrace their beauty, you know, as black women. And they were living in a community that was very much predominantly white. So I was like, I need to send them something that's going to show them beauty and blackness and that they could have to keep. Oh, I so I sent those the dolls. I sent them to some other friends of mine that have little girls. I sent them to one of my sons that has a little boy that he just loved. You know, he wanted to play with it. So I was like, you getting one too? And they and you can but do it where the... It, where, well, you can customize it. So I think what I need to do is I need to get to figure out if they have a doll that looks like you because they that's what girls go need. Is that's a little yes. black power doll yeah. with that fabulous, yeah. fabulous yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I like that. I like both of those ideas. I listen, Definitely. I love that when you walked into the Red Table Talk that uh, they were like, okay, first of all, <laughs> we love your hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. It really is. It really was- is. And I mean, oh my God, no bonnet, no braids at night. She just gets up and goes. I so and not it. trying to color it, and not. I mean, I love to me. I, one thing I've gotten really into is silver hair. I think people who rock their silvers is so fly. It is so but I'm fly. Not ready to do it though, I think it's beautiful on other people, but I'm not there. You know, so girl, I'm gonna color my hair this weekend. <laughs> at at twenty two, I had a little patch. And, and then it grew and it grew and it grew. And I think, I think each of my kids that I worked with in the 20 years, they, like there, there's, there's some kids who have more strands than others. You know? um, yes. Yes. You guys are an army, an army of fabulous hair, fabulous silver haired queens. We love it. I love it. Well, Erica Ford, thank you for coming on Read This, Read That. We love all that you're doing. You have to come back soon and we support you with every step you take. We definitely do. Thank you for what you do. Yes. Amen. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. Peace. Bye. All right. She's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. She's amazing. I love her girl. She is. She's a hero. I've known her since I've lived in um, New York. We used to be hanging. That is why it's such a small world, right? Because you just yeah. don't know who knows who. But yeah, no, she's awesome. She walked in that room. When I tell you, she's, that, that was her first line. She said, am I invisible? And everybody looked because everybody had gone around the table. And when she said that, and then she gave like a sermon. Girl, and she, everybody was quiet. She commands every room she walks into. She sure has no fear, but she is so down to earth and one of the coolest people that you will meet on this planet. Yes, 100%. And those kids were feeling it. The thing is that, that what I loved about those kids, I mean, I, my, my heart, my, the, the little Parkland kids definitely have a piece of my heart. They were into it. They were not like taken aback by it or put off by it. They leaned in. And then we had this whole conversation about equity 
and about the fact that they were like, why are there no black, you know, there need to be more black people around this table. And, you know, the actress was, it it was a really profound like discussion because they were very accepting of the fact that, yeah, they are privileged. They're white, you know, um, telegenic kids that everybody wants to interview on TV. But, you know, there's one girl who's Latina who said that, you know, she, reads as white but she's latina and so she was feeling some kind of way that she's like we're we're not talking about these communities of color so i thought it was brilliant she was and she created that conversation it was fabulous all right joanne so what are you going to do for you this weekend well one of the things i'm going to do for me is re-sign up nala for daycare re-sign? What? she's been hot no re-sign her up again because so she's been off so just oh, nala daycare, went not training for day no training she's done with the training so the training was a three-week she stayed with them and she did like a boarding school training is done. She's doing great. You know, we're just doing our little follow-up training stuff. But now that she's home, even though she's not as crackheadish, I still need a couple of days where she gets to really run and play to the extent she wants. Cause now that she's discovered snow, you know, she, she I'm realizing watching her play out there that she really needs to run around and freak the hell out. Like she needs that a couple of days a week. So I'm going to put her back in daycare starting next week. So two days a week, she can just go buck wild and come home tired doing that I, for me. Listen, you're going to listen to me one day. You're going to get, well, the day you get a second dog <laughs> is the day your issues will end. I'm telling you. Talk to Jason. Dog is bored. Get, get, she's bored. Oh, and she's chewing bored. everything. She gets bored and she's, she gets to chew in cords. Get her everything made of plastic. Same size, and she will. They will play with each other. You can put them out in the yard. They'll run around and play, and then let them in. They'll be exhausted. They'll keep each other company. I'm telling you, two dogs is better than one. You should never have a solo dog. Yeah, I, 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 I talk to Jason. She's staring at me right now, looking at me like, "What you gonna She's do like, for me?" Auntie Jackie is right. Cousin yeah. Jackie is correct. What do you need, mommy? Yeah, okay. What are you gonna do for you, Jackie Reed? Well, aside from coloring my gray hair, <laughs> girl, I'm telling you, I um, I put a really great video on my YouTube channel, so I'm going to be batching a lot of YouTube videos this weekend. Y'all go to my Vegan Sexy Cool page. I did. I launched my 12 months to vegan program, my challenge, where every month you give up one or two or oh, three. Let me, hide. let me hide from you while you're saying that. Hold on. Go ahead. Go, go, ahead. go, go continue. Family, family. <laughs> it is the easiest challenge to do. If you go to my Instagram or my, I have a Facebook group called uh, 12 Months of Vegan Challenge, join the Facebook group. We have a Facebook group. We have a great group, but I'll be shooting videos and really gearing up and doing all this content uh, for my 12 Months of Vegan Challenge, which is so easy. Shame on you for not doing it. You no, have- I'm doing it. Okay, here's what's fun. Here's what's funny. No, as much as I'm trying to hide, I'm hiding behind this happy holidays pay, uh, thing. <laughs> I, I have, What I've done, you know, because you are my sore cousin sister friend and I That's- support you in all things. You know, I'm a vegan, sexy, cool promoter. I so know. what I have done to do my 12 Months of Vegan Challenge is I have given up the creamer that I normally put in my morning coffee. So now I am putting... Uh, almond milk creamer and um, I have a rice milk kind of one. So I'm trying different kinds of creamers that are not milk. So that is the thing that I am giving up for the month of January along with doing freaking dryanuary, which I actually hate. (laughs) I'm about about to do that. Not that one, but I'm doing the Daniel Fast starting on Monday. And the one that I'm doing, which is really great, is four weeks. I did it last year. 
and you give up alcohol, you give up all oils, which is the hardest uh, thing, and you give up all processed food. How do you cook? I, mean, I can give up processed foods. I can give up. I can give up alcohol, even though I hate it. But if you don't have oils, how do you cook anything? That's the challenge. Air fry. But they, you know, but you use a lot of uh, broth and water. So a lot of vegetable broth and a lot of water to cook things. So it's good because you're not frying a lot of things. Right. But oil is really not good for you. Even olive oil. Um, is you really like Eric Adams, you know, the new mayor of New York yeah. he is on a, he's a very strict vegan. I mean, look at him. If you look at the transformation of him physically, yeah. um, not just outside, but inside, but he does not eat oil at all. Wow. He really goes above and beyond to keep it out of his diet. He was oh. the first person I heard talk about that some years ago. And then I, as I did more research and really leaned into not just vegan eating, but healthier eating, a lot of people limit or eliminate oil from their diet. It's really not good for you. But so with this fast, I did it last year and it really made me feel so good. So I'm gearing up because I start on Monday. Yeah. Um, so when I tell you I'm going to eat everything this weekend and drink and I need to go get <laughs> a glass of wine now, um, <laughs> just because I'm going to, I'm going to really enjoy myself and color my hair. And um, just because Monday for four it starts. weeks, it, it starts. starts. And oh, God. But God bless the, you. let me tell you, how I felt inside and how I felt mentally and just how I looked. I mean, you just, it, it really, really does a great thing for you. And the thing is, you don't want to jump back in when the four weeks are over to eating like you did before, because your body will just, you know, yeah. you'll get, you'll gain weight, you'll do all those things. So I like to adopt a lot of the things that they do because it really is healthy. And then it's, it's Christian based. So there's a lot of, um, you know, reading of scripture and a lot of stuff like that. And it's a whole community. So, you know, why you're reading the scripture because you're like, Jesus, Lord, I'm hungry. Please let me stay away from this fried food because I'm so hungry. <laughs> I'm so hungry, Lord. <laughs> I just need something. I need something that tastes like food, Lord. <laughs> Most food is fried in oil. So, Jesus, please work with me. Let me find a scripture. Turn to Ecclesiastes. <laughs> wherever, you are, wherever you are, Lord. <laughs> May, may there be fast food too. May there be some French fries too. Please Can there be a French fry, Jesus, without oil? French fry, not an amen. Can I get a French fry? <laughs> Can I get a fry? Bro, it's, one it, fry? This one is hard. I mean, eating vegan is nothing to me. Because you know, baked bake uh, French fries is nasty. Like, they're not even really French fries. See, that's blasphemy. Let me stop you right there. No. <laughs> See, this, this is you, girl. You have got to start thinking differently. You just, girl. Oh, you can hey, take, let me tell you, a French fry. listen to me, listen to me, cut up a potato, particularly a sweet potato. Cause I hate white potatoes. Cut up a potato, cut them up like French fries, a, a raw potato, like a whole potato, cut it up, take, put it in a bowl, toss it in this instance with olive oil, salt, pepper, whatever you put, like garlic, salt, lorries, whatever you put on your fries, right? Toss them, put them on a baking sheet in the oven and bake them. Girl, take that out and you will have fries. It is such a, it is a, a healthier way to eat French fries. And I'm telling you, I may make some tonight. It's so quick and easy and it is delicious. But they don't, they don't, they don't have the crispy crunch. They don't have the French they fry. They are feel. crispy. They are crispy because of the olive oil. And if you put them in your air fryer, they'll be even crispier. So stop. Stop with that. Stop with that. We got to eat McDonald's fries laced in beef in order to have 
good fries or we got possum and, and, and egg white and flour to it have fries. It, you're saying they're good. That's it's all I'm saying. For you. Well, all of us, you, thank you for listening in <laughs> and please support vegansexycool.com and support Jackie Reed. You can find that on Instagram. You can find it uh, really anywhere. You can find a YouTube channel, Girl, Facebook. Go on and find it. all the vegansexycool.com. But still, don't let her chase you from your fries. No, let the fries go. There are healthier fries out there. But while you are eating your healthy fries at 7 p.m. Monday through Friday, please sit your ass down, turn to MSNBC, and watch you some The Readout with the Joy Ann Reed. <laughs> <laughs> sit your ass down and watch the news. And by the way, down. please sit follow and support us on Read This, Read That. You can find Read This, Read That on the Instagram. You can also find it on Twitter. Just leave off the last T for savings. Um, and please like like and share and tell a friend tell a friend about read this read that please do all right you guys until next time bye